This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network on a Wednesday night, a busy, busy Wednesday night. So happy that you are with us after a beautiful day. We are in the ATL. In fact, Chris Bergen and I are both in the ATL. We're probably only about, what, four or five miles apart. I'm over at Georgia Tech for Clemson and Georgia Tech. They'll tip off around 7 o'clock. Bergie is over at Georgia State for Coastal Carolina and Georgia State. That game's going to tip off at 7 o'clock as well on ESPN+. Plus. The Clemson game will be on the ACC Network, so you can uh, watch them both. You can also listen to us here in the uh, first hour with me. Then I'll be stepping aside, and Bergie will be with us here shortly. Matt Smith will be jumping in. Pat Daniels back at our studios in Columbia. And tonight we've got a lot to talk about. We've got John Combs, 705, Coach John Combs, hooping and hollering as we've reached the uh, semifinal and finals uh, of the of the state uh, basketball tournaments. And th- those will be played at the uh, Florence Center. Uh, and then we've got SC Wild for you at 735. Some great stuff with Major Billy Downer tonight. So we've got all that coming your way tonight here on Sports Talk. But from the outset, it's time to get you ready for some basketball and also touch on some of the major news of the day. In fact, I want to start with upsetting news. To me, should be upsetting to anybody who loves college football. Well, two pieces of news. One is upsetting to me. One is like, I told you so, because I told you so. But let's begin with the upsetting news to me. Eli Gold is not coming back as the play-by-play voice at the University of Alabama. You might say, what's the big deal? Well, I mean, if you love college football, I mean, Eli Gold is right there with the absolute very best ever to call a college football game, whether you're an Alabama fan or not. Just the absolute best. And also, of course, a great NASCAR announcer back in his day. But it was reported, and he confirmed It's not that he's leaving. You know, he had some health issues, and he missed the 2022 season dealing with health issues, cancer. And he beat it. He came back and did this year and was as good as ever. And he says his health is fine, but Alabama is not bringing him back. Alabama is not bringing back Eli Gold. Alabama does not have Nick Saban anymore. Nick Saban and Eli Gold. I mean... 1A and 1B of the biggest names, the biggest personalities, not only in the state of Alabama, not only in the footprint of the SEC, but I think nationally, nationally. So I was stunned, A, when I saw the news he wasn't coming back, and B, the fact that Alabama fired him or didn't rehire him. I don't know if it was Alabama 
or their rights holder, which I believe is Learfield. And I don't know anything about the background because I just saw this story coming out just a few minutes ago. That was shocking to me, and it's very upsetting and very disappointing because he's a great, great announcer. I don't know him personally. Everybody I know who does know him say he is a wonderful guy, a wonderful guy. So sorry to hear that news. Then the other piece of news that I can say, I told you so, is that a report that the college football playoff committee is not uh, satisfied with 14. I'm sorry, with 12. Not satisfied with 12. That by 2026, the playoffs likely could be likely expanded to 16 teams. Okay? So how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Um, We go from two teams to four teams to 12 teams to 16 teams. Now, you know, you might say, well, Corn FCS has a bunch of teams in their playoffs. Nobody seems to complain about it. So I guess at the, at the highest level, NFL's got how many teams in their playoffs, and they've expanded. Nobody seems to mind that. Everybody makes the NBA playoffs, it seems. Major League Baseball's expanded their playoffs. Everything revolves around playoffs. Playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. I long for the day of an American League champion against a National League champion, and they have not played in the regular season, and they meet for a seven-game series to settle the world's championship. That was purity back in the day. But those days are long gone. So those are a couple of top stories off the top of my head. Let's go to Chris Bergen across the street, across I-75-85. How's the traffic on your end of 75-85? Well, fortunately, I did not have to get on the interstate to get over here to the GSU Convocation Center because we stayed in the heart of Atlanta, so you just drive through some back roads. Not that that's any easier in this town. I don't see how people that live here, I've said this numerous times, can stand the traffic. Atlanta's a wonderful town. It's a great city, but the traffic is an absolute nightmare. It would keep me from living here, but if you enjoy it, hey, to each its own. So our traffic wasn't all that bad except for construction, of course, on one of the uh, thoroughfares coming over this way, but we left about 5 and got here, I guess, about 5.20 or so, so I've been here in plenty of time. How about you? Good. Good, good, good. I had no trouble. I I came, of course, I visited with some family over in the Shambly area. Then I came up Buford Highway, and I stayed on the streets. I didn't get on the interstates and just came up the streets and turned on 10th and came on over to McCamish and got parked and and came on in, and and we're ready to go. Let's welcome in Matt Smith. Smitty is with us as well because Smitty's going to take the reins. Bergie's going to drop off at 630. I'm going to drop off about 655 when they play the national anthem. Smitty and Pat will take you the rest of the way. Hey, Smitty, how are you? Well, I'm good, and I live in Atlanta. Right before I worked, uh, started with this wonderful company, I was living in Atlanta, and my first day there, the very first day, I needed something from the hardware store. So I went to Google Maps and said, well, let me pull up Lowe's. And I, and I <laughs> saw Lowe's. They're, wow, 45 minutes away. Well, I think you're, you know, living in the middle of Atlanta, I would have been closer. Then I realized it was 1.9 miles away. It was just 45 minutes by car to get to Lowe's. 
that was the hell I existed in for about two huh. years, and I just couldn't take it anymore. I went bald. I, re- I moved to the coast of South Carolina, and it grew right back, and here I am. Yeah. It'll do it to you, man. This city will break you down traffic-wise. Okay. Glad everybody is on board. Let's talk. Oh, let me update uh, South Carolina baseball. 10-1, to 1, the Gamecocks are beating the Queens team. 10-1 to 1 in the top of the six. Obviously, the Gamecocks in position for another short afternoon if they can score one more run. I'm not sure they've ever played three consecutive uh, rule run games, which they are in position to do if they get one more run here. Uh, Petri has hit a home run. Messina has homered. And um, that's it for home runs for the Gamecocks. So we'll give you more on that in a little bit and some other baseball. But um, Berge, uh, as a man who's traveled the sidelines and the um, court sides of America calling play-by-play, the news of uh, the departure from the University of Alabama, not on his own, of Eli Gold, that is, to me, that's just flat-out stunning. I, and I appreciate you mentioning my name and his because uh, I'm not even very close to a talented Eli. And you do not fire a guy like what the situation was with Ron St. Louis is a rights holder for Alabama football. I've listened to enough of their broadcasts over the years. I'm pretty sure they handle theirs. But uh, it, that's stunning, and it's absolute crap. This is the guy who is as nationally recognized in, especially in the state of Alabama, he's as beloved as Barry was, as Nick Saban was. He's Alabama football. And a guy who also, I think, nationally is probably as well known for his job working with NASCAR radio for so many years and did just a phenomenal job with NASCAR. You figure out a way to keep Eli Gold there. And they had cut back. I'm, I'm guessing it was on his own. But he, he cut back some of his schedule. He was doing mostly home games for Alabama. Chris Stewart, whom I'm assuming will take over full-time, was doing the road games for Alabama. They'll be fine there. But you find a way. You don't fire Bob Fulton. You don't fire Larry Munson. You don't fire Eli Gold. I mean, it's just that simple. You just figure out a way to get that done where they go out gracefully on their own. Yeah, Chris is a great announcer, too. Not Chris Bergen. I mean, you are, but... Chris Stewart, who I happen to know, I've yeah, known no, him for you. a lot of years. He's a, he's, a, he's a terrific guy. He, too, had a health scare a few years back, but he's good. And he's a very good play-by-play announcer, but he's not Eli Gold, just like Scott Howard is a great play-by-play announcer in my eyes at Georgia, but he's not Larry Munson. But, again, again, these guys are making their own names and they're making their, their own um, history, and the guys who came before them, who set the table, you know, they did it their way. But, gosh, that was just – that was astonishing news. Smitty, uh, the news that uh, the college football playoff committee is not interested in sitting with 12 but expanding to 16 by 2026, you see anything there that um, is wrong with that? Or you think it's just – we look at other levels of football, we see more teams playing, you feel like more the merrier here at the highest level of college football is going to be okay? Uh, no, I no, I hate it. Uh, but I'll get. I do want to mention quickly. I did have the pleasure of interviewing Eli Gold on my old radio show on a couple of times. And and this is the the measure of someone is he doesn't need to talk to me. The last thing he needed to do was spend time with me, and he was gracious, giving of his time. Held over on a break, told all the stories we wanted to hear first class. And I'm appalled. I don't care who did it, Alabama, Learfield, whoever. 
You don't tell Robert De Niro you don't have a role for him. If Robert De Niro wants to act in the movie, Robert De Niro gets a role. You find some. And I, I'm embarrassed for Alabama. They should be embarrassed and humiliated. As great a program as they've been, you don't treat a legend like that. But anyway, um, I, I mean, that might be more important to us than it is to the average listener. But Eli, Eli Gold is just that. He's gold. Uh, yeah. Kurt Gowdy, Vince Cup, you find a spot for him. Anyway, 16 teams. Corn, you need to write this down. Remember this date. You and I agree. Usually, I think you overreact. On this one, you and I are on the same page. The only thing I can see is somebody finally raised their hand in the room and said, you know, 12 doesn't divide evenly in a tournament. Has anybody considered that? Uh, That's the only thing I can think of. You had no reason to go to 12. You have less reason to go to 16. Uh, They they should have done something, but they keep doing half measures and then overreacting to the half measures they've taken in college football. They're going to hurt it. They're going to hurt it. We are already in a position now where you're looking at games like Alabama-Auburn, maybe Michigan and Ohio State and others where they're going to be playing at the end of the season. How far are we from somebody resting a quarterback or giving him an extra week off because that game now will suddenly mean less than the game you play the following week if it's for the conference championship, and maybe even less than that, you may not even need the conference championship if you're ranked highly enough because in a 16-team tournament, if you're ranked first, second, third, fourth in the country, you now won't need to win your conference either. They're making a mess of it. The greatest thing about college football is its regular season. It is absolutely the best movie going, and it has a great ending right now. I'm okay with doing like a tournament final, but you better watch it. If you go too far, you're going to mess up the thing that separates college football from the NFL. The NFL is is a great product too. But listen, guys, we didn't need to watch NFL football back in September. What we needed to watch was what we just saw. Patrick Mahomes carry his team through the playoffs. They weren't that same team in September. They played 20 football games. You're going to do the same thing to college football. You'll water it down. You'll hurt it. And and, and if the fans are smart, they won't go to Ohio State games in September and October. They'll wait and save their money to go to the playoff games, and you're going to hurt the very product that built and built all these stadiums and made you all this money to start with. Uh, excellent points. One thing that I was reading from yesterday after the announcement came down about what the format was going to be, a five and a seven, and – what I was reading was SEC people not happy and Big Ten people not happy because they want more of their teams. See, i got to believe this expansion is all about appeasing and making sure you're going to have multiple SEC, multiple Big Ten teams in the postseason, which will make the postseason like a regular season redo because, Chris, you're going to have a bunch of rematches as this thing expands and then they allow more SEC and Big Ten teams in in particular. You're going to have rematches from within their respective leagues in the playoffs. And who wants to see that? Do people want to see rematches? Occasionally we've had a rematch, I think, in the college football playoffs in its short life. But by and large, we have not. Didn't we have a rematch Alabama-Georgia one time? Somebody correct me or help me. But anyway... We're darn sure going to be seeing rematches when this thing expands and they put even more SEC and or Big Ten teams in there. Well, it wants to prevent not us just having a rematch, but three times you get to see the same 
it's entirely possible. We're going, we're going, Chris, we're going to jump in on you because you're, you are, you are warping on us there with your connection inside your arena. So, but I hear what you're saying. I didn't think about that, Smitty. It could be a three-time thing if you played in the regular season, and then you somehow meet in your championship game in your league, and then you get matched up in the in the playoff again. That that would not be a, a good thing, I don't think. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, uh, I'm reading one of the stories here from CBS Sportsline, and the MAC commissioner, John Steinbrecher, said, you know, I think 16 is the number. Four was better than two. Twelve is better than four. Sixteen is the number in my mind. Of course, is the point you've made. What about the creep? Uh, you know, how far do you let this creep? Somebody will say, well, 32 is the number, especially if you're in the MAC. But I, the problem I've got with it is, and, and I never heard a good explanation for this. I never heard this. I always felt there was a need for something at the end of the year. And I know some purists disagree with me, but I liked the idea of an 18 playoff for this reason. I, I really wanted the college football champions of those major conferences to get their crack because I, I felt like the narrative would play, play way too heavily. Sometimes you get, look, Washington gave Michigan all it wanted, right? In the semifinal this year, no one thought that going into the game. So I always felt like some sometimes teams were discounted and wrongly, and I like to see them at the end of the year. However, the 18 playoff was skipped right over. What I don't understand is why we went from 4 to 12 to start with. What what was the – I mean, I know you're going to tell me it's money and it's, it's television, it's ESPN, it's television partners, and that may be the truth. That may be the reason – but I never even heard anybody try to give me a cursory explanation. I never even heard anybody make the point why you didn't do eight, like five conference champions and three at large, why that was never even enter- entertained. And now we're on to 16 before we can even hold a 12-team tournament. I, I, I don't know who's running this thing, but I don't think they, I don't think they know what they're doing. <laughs> Pat, what you got? Phil, it was 2011 there was a rematch in the national championship between Alabama and LSU. They had that 9-6 to barn burner in the regular season. Then they played, but that was BCS. Then a few years ago, you did have Alabama-Georgia. I believe that was a rematch when we had the, the Tua throw at the end of that game, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. So a few thoughts here, and it sounds like I'm going to be the contrarian here. I love of course. it. Personally, I, I love it. Well, I love the incident. My, basketball was my bread and butter. That's my favorite sport by, by, large, by, by a mile. And I love the NCAA tournament. I think 64, and now it's 68. Now, you go back to the old days when we used to have these national championship games between two teams, but how many of those were the, actually the two best teams? How many of those now we're looking back 20, 30, 40, 50 years later and wondering, was Alabama really the best team? They went 9-3. and three. This team was 12-0 and 0 and didn't get to play for the championship. We had so many complaints about the BCS. So I do like the playoff. I, I agree with Smitty, though. I do find it odd we went from from 4 to 12, why not 6 or why not 8? Why the big jump? I think we all do agree it's all about money. At the end of the day, it's money. But I do look at the uh, FBS, I'm sorry, FCS, you have 12 teams, and so they still, the national champion will play 15 games. I believe if one of the lower seeds that doesn't get a bye, they could potentially play 16 games. I might be wrong there. But now you have Division 2 and Division 3, or at least Division 2, they expanded to, uh, they had 16, now they had 24 teams as of this past year. So I was trying to look at how many, how many games they play, and if I'm reading this right, in Division Two, it looks like they play 11 regular season games instead of 12, 
and can then get up to 15 games, potentially 16 if you don't have a bye. Again, I may be slightly wrong with those numbers, but I think that's right. Where I'm going with this is inevitably now in Division One FBS, God, that always gets so confusing to me, FBS, are we going to have to shrink the, the regular season? So to y'all's point, is this now going to discredit that? And this, in my mind, is going to cause further separation between the haves and the have-nots. The teams that make the playoff are going to get an extra home game, potentially, or at least another game where they get revenue. If you take a team, if you take a game away from teams, what happens with the, the lower-tier teams that miss out on the playoffs? That's now potentially one less home game or one less road game where you lose ticket sales, now alcohol sales, uh, anything else you sell concessions at those games, you're talking millions and millions of dollars potentially out of the budget now for football. And remember, football is the bread and butter that supports a lot of the lower tier programs on college campuses. So if you're taking money now away from teams, what is that going to do? And now are we going to be forced to have an equal revenue sharing for everybody across the country so as to make this fair? I just think there's a lot of red tape in here that is going to have to be figured out. But I think about the money, the separating the haves and the have-nots. But I do like the idea of having more teams in a playoff setting uh, so as to actually find the champion. And even if there's a rematch, who cares? In my mind, if there's two, three might be a bit much. But look look at Clemson this past year, especially the amount of freshmen they played at the beginning of the season. Could we agree that they were a completely different team by the end of the season than they were at the beginning of the season? And if so... Well, then I think a rematch there would be in order. Maybe you're having a different team. Same thing within basketball. You see a team like Kentucky comprised of five-star freshmen coming out. Well, they're not nearly as good as in the NCAA tournament. Nobody wants to face Calipari's squad in March. You want to play them in November, December, January before they get their feet beneath them. So I do kind of like the idea of maybe seeing a team avenge an early season loss come playoff time. I do like the extra bonus meaningful games. But I do see y'all's side with uh, now that's going to kind of dilute the regular season. You might have teams rest their starters here and there, just like y'all mentioned, potentially like we see in the NFL. They, week 16, 17, now 18, whatever, we see teams rest their starters before the playoffs once they've clinched a spot. So I'm I, I, I with you. I absolutely would think that teams would do that. Do we now have to eliminate conference championship games? so as to not have too many games on the season. like There's just so many questions that have to be answered here, but I do personally like the idea of rematches, to, uh, of seeing now more teams have an opportunity to play, and now we might even have Cinderella-type stories in football like we do in basketball. To your Kentucky comment, St. Peter's on line one. Ha, fair. Uh, but, yeah, I hear, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> Berkey's back with us, and now I think uh, hopefully solidly connected what you got. Yeah, I had to go over to my phone. We're going to old school technology. I went with my hot uh, spot on my phone, so hopefully this is better. Yeah. To Pat's point about the rematch, I think you could handle one, but my, my point was going to be let's assume for a moment the ACC now that it's dropped divisions has Clemson and Florida State playing their regular season. Those two teams maneuver themselves back up and play in the ACC title game and are both good enough to get into the playoffs. It's conceivable they could play three times during the regular season on into the postseason. I don't know anybody that wants to see that happen. And that's what potentially you're going to get with 12, 16, or whatever. And Pat and I and Phil and, and Smitty, we're all different, but the average college basketball fan 
only watches basketball in March because of the NCAA tournament, because of how much focus has been placed on the NCAA tournament with its expansion, it has killed the regular season. Very few people watch it unless you're interested in your team doing well, but for the most part, the casual fan doesn't tune into March, I think, and, and Phil, you can probably speak to this better than any of us. How many NBA regular season games outside of the Celtics do you watch before the playoffs? And the reason is, you pointed out a few minutes ago, everybody gets in. So what's the point of having the regular season other than getting seeding for the postseason? Yeah, I do watch the Lakers to see them lose. So I watch the Celtics. All right, fair enough. And I try to catch I watch the Lakers hoping that, that they lose. And you're exactly right. I mean, college basketball, it starts too early. And as we like to say, because, you know, the field. Of course, Eddie Fogler would make the argument, you know, 68 out of 360-something teams make the NCAA tournament. That's a very small percentage compared to the percentage of, uh, of football teams that make the postseason. Bergy going to hit the break. Uh, we're going to hit the break and say bye to you. Uh, All right, guys. Talk us. to you tomorrow for Norfolk. All right, but rest of us will be back. Welcome back, everybody. Sports talk from the McCamish Pavilion on the campus of Georgia Tech. Clemson and Georgia Tech going to tip it off in just about a half hour or so. Uh, We have Bid Berge adieu. He's gone to his play-by-play duties with Coastal Carolina. Matt Smith is uh, along with us from the coast. Pat Daniels at our studios in downtown Columbia. South Carolina baseball. Gamecocks up 10-2 on Queens. In the bottom of the sixth, they have two out. They have runners on the corners, so they could end it. No, they couldn't. They still have to go to the seventh. Gamecocks could score a couple of runs here, then be in position to end it. In the seventh, they have, on the day, ten runs on nine hits. They've left nine, no errors. Two runs on seven hits, five errors by Queen, Queens. Queens, not the, not the rock group Queen, but the team Queens. Uh, and they've left... Seven on base. The Gamecocks have homers from Messina and from Petri at this point. And both of the runs for Queens came off of home runs. Sousa and Cotto have homers. As far as on the mound for the Gamecocks, I think the most important thing about this game, the return of Matthew Becker. He's been dealing with some arm injuries. He went a couple of innings. He threw 45 pitches, 28 for strikes, couple of hits, a walk. He struck out five. He hit one. Pitzer came on, went an inning, two hits, struck out three, obviously struck out the side. McCreary went an inning, gave up a hit, struck out two. Marlott pitched an inning, a hit and a run. The homer struck out one. And Simpson, an inning, hit and a run, the homer, and struck out two. So there you go with that. Some other baseball. James Madison beat Virginia Tech 8-7. Xavier beat Louisville 9-1. Upstate beat Western Carolina 16-9. Tennessee leads East Tennessee State 16-0. Alabama leads Alabama State 10-0. It is Arkansas State leading Ole Miss 4-1. 
That's in the sixth. UCF leads Miami 4-3 in the fourth. Mississippi State over Austin P 8-4 in the fourth. Wofford 1-0 over Kennesaw State in the fourth. Florida, North Florida just getting underway. Vanderbilt leading Eastern Kentucky 4-0 middle of the fourth. Let's talk about this game tonight, Smitty and Pat. Clemson coming off a stunning loss at home to NC State where they lost the lead. NC State goes and loses at home to Syracuse last night, so go figure. And Georgia Tech coming off a win for them over Syracuse the other day, and they are seeking their first back-to-back ACC wins of the season. They beat Clemson earlier in the year. Tigers in that one had a late lead. They were up with about a minute and a half to go. I believe they were up like nine. And Georgia Tech outscored them 12-3 down the stretch. And they go into overtime. And then they go to a second overtime. And Georgia Tech won it in a second overtime in a very close ball game, obviously. It was a game where Georgia Tech hit 15 three-pointers and Clemson hit three. Georgia Tech is a weird team. Overall, they're not very good. They don't score a lot of points. They don't shoot the ball well at all. Yet, they shoot a lot of threes, and they make enough threes to put them in position to win some games. That's why they have stunned teams like North Carolina and Duke. And let's see, who's their other big one? they got a, a, one other a surprise. Oh, the, I guess the win at Clemson would go down as a – as a surprising win as well. So, Smitty, this is a, you know, Clemson trying to avoid being swept. Clemson is still very much considered a tournament team by the experts, but a loss here tonight would do some damage, some major damage to their resume. So, they got to pick it up. They should beat this team. Again, this team is not very good in many categories. They rank near or at the bottom in the ACC in most categories, but one that they are very high in is three-point shooting attempts. This is weird. They're like second in the league, I believe, in attempts, but near the bottom in makes. So their new coach, Stoudemire, doesn't care that his guys will shoot the long shot and not make it, just keep on shooting it. Yeah, and, it, and it, it, what it's done is they've become what, what you've just described. They're a high-variance team. They're like a boxer you don't want to see, right, because they can throw some haymakers and they can come up with a knockout punch, which is what they did against Clemson uh, when they met earlier this season at Little John Coliseum. You know, they hit seven of 14 threes in the second half of that game, six of seven of their shots uh, in in overtime. They just they just went unconscious at some point, and that's the, the uh, as you're saying, that's the theory, that's the hypothesis that Stoudemire is going with. And they were, and, and I know Georgia Tech was badly out rebounded in that game by Clemson. If you watched it, you weren't watching the scoreboard. You just you watched the game. You said, "Oh, well, Clemson, you know, the floor game. Clemson's far superior. They're a much better team. They can get the ball inside to to PJ Hall and Ian Shefflin is is really dominating their other post players." But then at the end of the game, Georgia Tech just started raining in threes, which, you know, is is the theory that Georgia Tech plays with. So what Clemson's got to do is you've got to roll with those punches. You've got to be able to absorb those punches and those runs, especially tonight. They're playing at the Thriller Dome. I'm sure it's going to be a great atmosphere. 
Uh, this is a team trying to get better in the second half of the season. So Clemson's going to have to, you know, utilize what they've got, where they've got the advantages, slow the game down, go to the body, work the paint, work P.J. Hall, work Ian Shifflin, uh, let Chase Hunter be the veteran that he is, and then Brownell's got to help his troops maintain composure because Georgia Tech is going to go on runs. They're going to hit three, four, five shots in a row, absorb those punches, get a timeout, come back out, go back to your game. I think that's that's the game plan. In other words, it's almost as much neck up as it is neck down tonight for Clemson. Well, in that first meeting, the Gamecocks did – I'm the Gamecocks. The Tigers did just that, 50 points in the paint against Georgia Tech, outscored them 50-26 to 26 and killed them on the boards – Tigers had 45 total rebounds to 33, and they had 22 offensive rebounds that led to 32nd chance points. And they they also, um, the Tigers uh, had a big game, had a big game from the birthday boy today, P.J. Hall. Today's his birthday, and in that first meeting, he had 31 points, 17 rebounds, but only one of five from three. Ian Shefflin had 20 points and 15 rebounds. And Chase Hunter had 18 points, but he was 0 for 5 from 3. The Tigers were 3 of 21 from 3-point land in that loss, while Georgia Tech was 15 of 35. They took 35 threes in a game that went for 50 minutes. They took 35 threes. They made 15 of them. Their high score was Nathan George. He had four of those threes for 20 points. Kawasi Reeves, the Florida transfer, had 15 points, all on three-pointers, five of seven from three. So I got to believe that they're going to really have to extend their defense tonight and defend the three-point ball. This is a team that shoots under 30% from three, but, again, they like to load it up and shoot the three quite a bit. They also only average about 70 points per game. So I don't know if Clemson will try and force the tempo here and try and get the game into the into the 80s or in a more familiar mode for Brad Brownell. Play tough defense, play it at a contained pace, and win a game maybe in the 60s, 68 to 50-something, to something like that. Yeah, my prediction is he will slow it down. And, look, the other thing is Clemson was going through a shooting slump at that time. We were talking about it on this show. That was when they were going through a shooting slump, and that slump was even worse at Little John. At Little John, at that point, they were shooting around 30% from the three-point line, and that game sticks out like a sore thumb. I'm going to make a prediction here, Corn. I think you're going to sit in your seat tonight. We're going to take it home tonight with SC Wild hooping and hollering with John Combs. I think you're going to be reporting on a double-digit victory for Clemson tonight. I think Brownell's going to draw it up, and I think everybody's going to know exactly what Georgia Tech is going to do, and I don't think they'll be able to accomplish it against this veteran Clemson team twice. I like the Tigers to win comfortably tonight. All right, before we go to the break, our phone number, 888 South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. We got recruiting coming up, but Hank is on the line, and he thinks he's got the answer to all our problems. Hank, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing all right, Corey. Uh 
No, I was just calling about the reason. Remember, the reason they skipped over the eight teams was before they didn't have a scenario to really uh, bring in the other group of five automatic champions. And the bigger conferences, remember, there were a couple of conferences where they people were winning. Uh, I think one year somebody won the ACC or something like four losses or whatever. And so they didn't feel like they wanted the automatic bid for the championship. And now they've since changed that. And that's how they got 12 to be able to bring that in and bring in more at large. Well, that makes some sense to me. I think that, uh, you know, I, I would say, and I hear what you're saying. I, I mean, that was simply, back then. Now, you know, a lot of things have changed. A lot of things have changed since then. But back then, when they first were looking at going from four to whatever, that's what was the big holdup for the for the eight. Remember, the, the big ten of the SEC was like, no, because they were looking at some of these champions and some of these conferences, like the Pac-12 or some of them at the time. Well, the teams were horrible. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. I think that the simple answer to this is the expansion is all about, of course, uh, getting more of the power teams into the playoffs. I don't think they really cared a hoot about Cincinnati making the tournament a couple of years ago. And I think what they want, of course, is more of your big names and by doing this, by expanding, of course, now you most likely are going to have three or four SEC teams, three or four Big Ten teams, maybe uh, two or three from the ACC, maybe two at hey, least. Hey, what's on And are you talking to us or somebody else? You, I'm talking to you, Corn. But, you know, the thing with that, oh. though, Corn, is at, in some of those years, those SEC teams are really good that you, you're going to have in there. But, you know, I mean, are we just going to hand out a trophy to everybody? Only I mean, There's got to be one some win. penalty. There's, there's, there's got to be some penalty in our sports psyche. There's got to be some penalty for losing. It's like, well, you know, you know point, it, used to be, it used to be if you lost one game in the regular season in college football, as far as any sort of national thing, you were done. But you went ahead and played out your season. You played your rival at the end, and everybody was happy. Doesn't Alabama yeah, yeah. have, like, you know five national championships you know with two or three losses, though, back in the you day? Know the you, know, you know what the problem no, with No, not back on? in the day they didn't. Nobody had a national championship <laughs> with more than a loss. You go back. Show me where a team with multiple losses uh, before, say, 2000. From 2000 on back, show me anybody. Go back to the old voting system and show me anybody with multiple losses who won the national championship through the old voting system. I don't think anybody did. Corn, you know my problem with that though. My problem with that was if if, if it was during the year and like with Clemson and Trevor, uh, the, the 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 great quarterback Lawrence, he you know he has a cold or something and he can't play or whatever for one game. There were teams that were getting passed on circumstances. Somebody getting tripped or injured or whatever, and the full team didn't make a game. And that's where the law came. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like with Florida State this past season. They were the one of the best teams in the country. I would no doubt say they were a top-four team until they lost their quarterback. And they weren't the same team after that. There's no question. I mean, I know yep. they won the ACC championship game, but they were not the same team. Just like, hey, 
Take a basketball team in the NCAA tournament. You lose. If NC State loses a David Thompson, the Gamecocks lost John Roach in the semifinals of the ACC tournament in 1970. He tried to play in the championship game, and he couldn't do it. I mean, he played, but he wasn't the same player, and they lose to NC State. They would have blown NC State out with a healthy John Roach and everybody else. I mean, injuries are have to be considered. They are a factor. All right, we got to hit the break, and i got to come back and give you recruiting. So we're going to do that after the break, and then we'll turn things over to Smitty and Pat. And we got Hooping and Hollering and Coach John Combs coming up. We got SC Wild with Major Billy Downer coming up as well. So stay tuned for all of that. I'll be back to give a quick update on this one before they go to SC Wild. So we will be back after this break here on Sports Talk. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. This is Major Billy Downer with the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Boating season is right around the corner here in the Palmetto State. As you get ready for this spring and summer, make sure your registration sticker is up to date and you have a copy of your registration card on board your boat. For more information on boat registration and answers to common questions, visit dnr.sc.gov. Welcome back. Sports Talk, McCamish Pavilion in downtown Atlanta at Georgia Tech. Matt Smith back at our studios along the coast. Pat Daniel at our studios in Columbia. Let's give you our recruiting report tonight, brought to you by Seawells. A reminder, Seawells will be closed tomorrow for a private event that none of us were invited to. So we will not be there. But we will try to be there for a roast beef Friday 
on Friday. I suggest that you be there as well. It is the best single day of buffet in America, and it's there for only $14. And they have the daily luncheon buffet every day, Monday through Friday, when they don't have a private event. And if you need the very best in the catering service, we also suggest you give Seawells a phone call. Their phone number is 803-771-7385. Check them out online at seawellsCateringSC.com. So, before I start, guys, we're about to have the National Anthem. I do not want to talk over the National Anthem here in person in the arena. That would be rude. So, Smitty, I'm going to toss it back to you. Over, under on this National Anthem, it looks like they have a little choir. I'm going to say over, under will be about... 94 seconds. So I'm going to toss it to you, and I'll be back in 94 seconds. All right. Thanks, Corn. Um, and of course, coming up at, after we let Corn go, what we'll do is we'll make sure we, we keep you abreast of what's going on there at the Thriller Dome with Corn, Georgia Tech, and Clemson. The Tigers trying to avenge an earlier season loss to the Yellow Jackets. And of course, keep putting their resume, cobbling that resume together. Uh, for the committee of the NCAA tournament. In baseball action, we're going to keep you up to date with that as well. And, boy, South Carolina continues to pour it on Queens. They lead 10-2, bottom of the seventh. The race is on now. Place your bets, gentlemen, whether or not Queens can uh, avoid being run-ruled here in this one. And, of course, we'll have that for you uh, later on tonight at sportstalksc.com. So, Pat, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll bring you back into this. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by all the varying opinions we're getting about the, in, the talk now that the NCAA football uh, playoff, the college football playoff, is going to expand to 16. And, look, to your point earlier, one of the things you said, and I think a lot of people are saying this, and, and it's, it's that whole more is better attitude, and, of course, I won't deny the best thing going, the best two-week period perhaps in all of sports is the NCAA basketball tournament. But I, I always think we do this. We have a bad habit of doing this. A and B are not necessarily the same. You don't prepare sure. elk the same way you prepare steak. Hmm. Right now, yeah. college football is absolutely the it's, – it's a great movie. It's an event-driven sport for that six-month period – and throughout the regular season, and then the ending is just a dessert, is just a cap to a great season. College basketball is different. College basketball is like a sitcom that we all kind of check in on and say, oh, I don't know, who's dating whom? What's going on in that show? But then somebody tells you it's going off the air, season fin- series finale. You've got to watch. It's must-see TV. Then we all tune in for the finale. What my problem is, as we keep talking about this, is if you let TV continue to dictate to you, TV will always just do too much. They're going to gorge themselves. They'll be gluttonous and they'll gorge themselves. My concern with college football is what, what built that playoff, what makes the playoff so important now, is because it's had the best regular season of any major sport, and that includes pro sports, the best regular season now for 100 years. If you fiddle with the end too much, you're going to ruin the movie. That's my concern, and they don't know they're doing it. They don't know because they're just going to make money, and they don't care if the sport goes away. But we have to be the caretakers for the sport. We're the ones that have to be the governors. We have to hit the brakes. They're the gas. We've got to be the brakes. 
Yeah, and I, I agree with everything you're saying there. And I'm just trying to think through. I've seen a lot of people tweet out Barrett Sally most recently on our timeline just showed up and he said, quote, it'd be cool if the people who run college football actually cared about it. And and I see what he's saying. And right now I'm then trying that made me then want to look up the current members of the college football board of managers. And I'm looking at each of them and they are either conference presidents or then you have Notre Dame's president. Every one of these people, to a certain degree, you got to think has financial motivations through their employer they are looking to it's all about the bottom the bottom line for them whether it's that that's their personal decision or those talking in their ear or whatever it just seems like everything every decision that's being made right now in collegiate athletics and maybe even more than just outside of athletics too is based upon money and as opposed to the integrity of the game or get putting the best thing on the field or on television and to your point at this point we're almost just bending the knee to whatever the TV executives tell us. And and that is backwards. You're right. It's not apples to apples, college football to college basketball. Sometimes less is more. Sometimes we want to copy something good and, and repeat what we have with the, with the NCAA tournament. But you're right. I don't know. I, I, I like the idea of more, but you have good points. Well, we'll leave it there. Corn wants to squeeze in some recruiting. Obviously, we'll have to finish this uh, in hour number two. All right, all right, I'm back. I'm back after the national anthem, and we're tight on time. So, Smitty, I'll pass on the recruiting report to you, and you can hit it up after a hoop and in holler, and that'll be a good place for it. I'll leave you with the fact that uh, Clemson and Georgia Tech are about to tip it off. It'll be Hunter and Clark and Gerard and Shefflin and Hall starting for the Tigers tonight, and I'll check back with you at about 725 or so, give you a quick update. Otherwise, be back after this top-of-the-hour break. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. And welcome in. Hour number two here on Sports Talk. Smitty and Pat are taking you through this hour We've got John Combs hooping and hollering in just a moment. We have SC Wild at the bottom of the hour. Let me quickly update you. South Carolina and Queens, the Gamecocks lead 10-3. That's over at Founders Park. That game is now in the top of the eighth. Queens is batting. We'll let you know if that one goes final before the end of our time together tonight. And we've had a lot of fun. Have had a lot of fun. Great discussion And uh, we're going to have some more good discussion now as the high school playoffs are going on. And John Combs joins us. John, I am a Dorman grad myself. It hurt me. It hurt me to see Malden hold on in the 5A playoffs over Dorman 58-55. Those evil, no-good Mavericks knocked out Thomas Ryan and and Dorman. I bet that was a great atmosphere and a great place to be uh, up in Malden this, this week. Well, there was no doubt that that was an outstanding game. I, I got to I got a chance to watch a little bit 
of that on the NFHS network. And, you know, that's just a, it was a great atmosphere. Malden's a really good basketball team. And we know Thomas Ryan at Dorman always does a great job. So we'll have a new state champion this year in 5A. It will be the first time in a long time Dorman or someone else won't be in it this year like that. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. about. And, and you know what I love? If we'll stay on the 5A playoffs for just a moment, really well represented across the state. Of course, no surprise to you. Uh, obviously, you know, I, I know you know exactly how good Lexington has been all season, and, and they're still alive. Somerville has kind of been, right, they've been the main horse in the lower part of the state, so they're still alive. And then, of course, you have Malden and Burns in the upstate. So really in the 5A playoffs, it's one of those years where, uh, you know, everybody is, is going to get together in Florence and it's going to be about bragging rights from which part of the state. They're going to be coming from all over. So I really like how well represented and how spread out the semifinals are. Absolutely. I mean, the 5A upper state and lower state championships are just outstanding matchups. I would think, especially, you know, for the Lexington and Somerville. I think a lot of people had them penciled in. I know I, I kind of did. I kind of thought those were the two best teams uh, from the lower state, and they both survived in advance and going to play each other again. Uh, Lexington won a matchup earlier in the year that was down in Somerville. Uh, but now, you know, you're playing for all the marbles, so to speak, of going for the right to play for a state championship. Uh, Cam Scott and the Lexington team, I, they look awfully, awfully good. Uh, but Coach Long there at Somerville, he's, he's loaded with a bunch of really good players. That's going to be a fantastic matchup. Burns High School in the upper state in 5A, they have been tremendous. They, they're one that I expected to, uh, to be in the uh, upper state championship there in 5A. Uh, the, the other person, Malden, Malden, I don't want to say I'm not surprised that they're in it, but, you know, it's kind of one of those, well, who's going to beat Norman? And give Malden credit. They were able to get them in a close game, so – those are two outstanding matchups that will go on uh, Friday night in Florence for 5A. Yeah, I love it. And how about in the other classifications? Have there been any shakeups? Have there any have been any major surprises or major upsets? Maybe somebody that's going to Florence this year that uh, that we just didn't see coming, or is or is this is it going chalk? Well, we still got we've got some matchups going on tonight um, that we're waiting to see how those play out. Four A is is going on tonight. Four A boys, um, there'll be some outstanding matchups. I know Westwood High School, my old school's playing in in James Island today for the opportunity. This will be the uh, first time ever that Westwood could advance to a a, a, a semifinal uh, type of event, and you know th there's still some uh, games to be played. One matchup I really like that's going to go on in Florence. Uh, Keenan and uh, Gray Collegiate are going to play each other for the first time this year in the semifinals. Technically, they're in the same region, um, but uh, th th this will be the first time that they play this year because all the other schools have decided uh, in that region not to play Gray Collegiate. So that is an outstanding matchup uh, for 2A basketball that's going to go on uh, Saturday. So we're still there's still a lot to be figured out, um, but, man, there's still some, there's some great matchups going on. And uh, John Combs joining us, hooping and hollering here on Sports Talk. John, how do you feel about the way we're handling the uh, the semifinals and finals this year, all in one location, putting everybody together? By the way, that's that's girls and boys basketball classifications, 1A through 5A, all at the Florence Center. 
Um, I know that can be a tough, you know, that, that's going to be a tough road trip for some of our teams that are maybe located in Greenville or, or up in the northwest corner of South Carolina. But it's a real short trip if you're in the Midlands or on the coast. How, how do you feel about the way it's being handled and putting everybody together like that? Oof, that is a long question. We could probably do a whole show just on this one thing alone. I would tell you, if I am Burns in Malden High School, we've got to play each other for the 5A state championship on Friday night in Florence, you probably don't like it very much. I mean, that is a long trip for both of those schools to have to go there, but every year might be a little bit uh, different. If you're the people that's on the coast, they're probably excited about the opportunity. Um, you know, I'm one of those, I'm, I'm a wait and see uh, type of attitude when I see it's all said and done, how it plays out. I know there will be people that will have strong opinions uh, both ways on it. Um, you know, like I said, I, the Florence Civic Center has gotten a lot of, uh, let's just be, let's be honest, it's gotten some negative publicity over the years for not being a great basketball venue. But I will say this, I don't think anybody will be able to complain that they're not able to get into an upper state or lower state championship event. In the past, we've had issues where people haven't been able to get in because there wasn't a venue um, big enough. I'm of the opinion, personally, um, that the state championship should be at the Colonial Life Arena. Um, but realistically, you can't play a semifinals and finals at Colonial Life Arena. You just There's not going to be that much time. You know, the Colonial Life Arena can't set aside that many days in a row to be able to do it. High School League decided to do something different. Um, I can certainly understand why it's a challenge for the upper state teams, why they are maybe not real thrilled uh, to be traveling to Florence for an upper state championship. But that will be something uh, that I'm sure we'll address once this is all over with. Well, John, how about this? How about the fact, if we set aside geography for just a moment, of course, I know that's what all the coaches – players and fans are thinking about but if we can set aside geography for a moment what about all of this you know being in one locale almost like a celebration of palmetto state basketball and everybody get together and and you're going to have you know so many games being played back to back to back and if you're a fan you can kind of get in there and see multiple games at least that part seems to be they're on the right track because one of the things i've always felt for for our our state in basketball, as many great players as we've turned out, and you can you can go back, Kevin Garnett played at Malden for two seasons, and Ray Allen, and then more recently, John Morant, Zion Williamson, uh, and all over, all up and down, and B.J. Mackey, and all throughout our history, B.J. Hall, by the way. So there are so many great players, and I think maybe our PR hasn't been as good as it should be for how great the basketball is in our state. And this is a chance that everybody can put their eyes on it, at least. No, you're 100% correct. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, that was part of the vision. You know, we've, you know, COVID has caused, you know, when it, a couple of years ago caused some challenges to move the state finals um, away from the Colonial Life Arena and do some different things. This way, 5A, when they had the 5A semifinals on, on Friday, that's when they begin. It'll be 5A on Friday, 2A on Saturday, and then they'll take a day off on Sunday and keep going on Monday. But people can go in there and buy one ticket and see – all sets of games, the whole entire day. They won't have to come and go and leave. And then when they have the finals next week on, I believe, March 1st and 2nd or 2nd, 3rd, that Friday and Saturday the next week, you could buy one ticket and stay there the entire day. You don't have to leave. Past couple of years when it's been at Aiken, um, at the uh, USC Aiken Convocation Center, you, you could only stay for two games, a girls' game and a boys' game. Then you had to leave and then come back. 
there was some challenges with that. So this was the vision the high school league had of, of trying to make it a, a celebration of, of high school basketball all in one location. Other states have done this before. Um, I think there's some things to work out with it, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing how it will be over the next uh, eight days or so. Well, John, here's to putting you in charge of this event in the future. We can hash it out. <laughs> Just let you take it over. You love you love you love hoops, right? And you're an administrator. Who's who's better to do it than you? Well, I I do love hoops, and I do love one of you know. I I know it's easy. People say, "Ah, oh, it shouldn't be here. It shouldn't be." That. This is extremely difficult. I don't think people always appreciate how difficult it is to create a big level event. Um, there's not as many uh, uh, um, venues that can host these type of events. Um, and so I'm thankful that a place like Florence does want to host it. We're going to try something different. Uh, we're going to try to make it the best um, uh, events and best weekend week of basketball that we can uh, for these teams because there's a lot of fantastic matchups already in the book, and there's going to be some great ones coming. Absolutely. Well, we'll check in on that uh, next week, John. Look, my alma mater is out. Maybe your alma mater will make it to Florence. We'll see. Either way, I'll be there at the Florence Center, and uh, if you'll be there too, we'll see each other in person. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. A lot of great games coming up. It'll be awesome. Thanks, Coach. It will be awesome. Thank you so much. That's John Thank Combs, Hoopman and Hollering here on Sports Talk. And uh, – Man, I'm I'm excited about it. I think John makes some really good points, Pat, about I, – I can see it being controversial, as he said. The, the Florence Center's gotten some negative publicity. It's not easy to put something like this together. I'm just happy that in our state we're going to have the ability to put the semifinals and finals in one place. I'm excited about seeing how it plays out. It's just, you know, it's an experiment. We'll see if it works in a state our size. So we'll find out. All right, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we're checking in with Corn. Clemson and Georgia Tech are off. Corn is in place at the Thriller Dome. We'll find out if there's been any thrills so far for Tiger fans or for Yellow Jacket fans. Also, we'll get you up to date on Gamecock baseball and hit the recruiting report presented by Seawells. All that is ahead. Stay with us here. You're listening to Sports Talk Media Network. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today.
I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Every lottery ticket purchase keeps education in our state moving forward. In fact, the lottery has raised more than $200 million for state school buses to get our students to school safely every day. Then, the lottery helps those students go even further in their education by funding the Life, Hope, and Palmetto Fellow Scholarships. So remember, when you play the lottery, you're keeping South Carolina students on the road to success. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Have you noticed bad behavior has become normalized at interscholastic athletic events? Some fans seem angry. They lack civility toward one another. Some even get aggressive and unruly. Time out! What is going on? This has to stop. Let's not forget, school sports aren't just about winning. And they're definitely not an excuse to take your frustrations out on the official or the opponent. They're about teaching lessons like perseverance, respect, and empathy so students can learn and grow as people, not just as players. We all have a role to play in setting a good example for our students and teaching them these important values. So fans, it's time to step up your game and behave positively at interscholastic athletic events in South Carolina. This message presented by the SCHSL and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association. Welcome back to Sports Talk. Smitty here with you. We've got Pat Daniel kicking it from the studio. Phil Kornblut is live from Atlanta. We'll get a quick update on Clemson, Georgia Tech in just a moment. Let me check in quickly on what's happening with South Carolina baseball over at Founders Park. The Gamecocks are now leading Queens 12-3, bottom eight. So they are rolling to a close there. South Carolina is going to win yet again and remain undefeated on the season. Something else is undefeated. Sea Wells, as good as it gets. Pats, what's what are your recent experiences with Sea Wells? Meatloaf's always a fan favorite. I love the uh, the fried pork chops. They've started adding salmon and a few other fish options in there, which which Corn likes to point out. That's all coming to you fresh from the Congaree River. You know, it's that rare. Uh, freshwater seawater uh, <laughs> seafood. Um, as long as it's as long as I can put gravy on it, I'm happy. But they always have multiple options, great options to choose from. Oh, fried pork chop with gravy on it. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. speaking your language, that huh? Good. All right. Yeah. So tonight's recruiting report, as always, presented by Sea Wells. All right. What's going on? Several prominent prospects in the 2025 class this week have announced plans for official to South Carolina for the weekend starting May 31st. These include safety Jadon Blair of Winston-Salem, defensive end Tayshawn Austin of Henderson, North Carolina, Rock Hill wide receiver Malik Clark, 
and linebacker Nathaniel Awusu Boting of IMG Academy in Florida. How about that? Awusu Boting is re- is regarded as a top linebacker prospect nationally. South Carolina defensive coordinator Clayton White has been recruiting him the most for the Gamecocks, and the two are building a quality relationship. Right now, he feels good about where South Carolina fits in his recruitment. Talking to Coach White and just talking to all the members of the coaching staff, going in my sophomore year, having a good sense of what it would be like if I was to commit to South Carolina, just having a great relationship with one of the players down there, talking about Tree Babalide, uh, the starting tackle. Me and him went to the same high school, DeMatha, uh, DeMatha Catholic in Maryland. He's been telling me great things about the program. So a real advantage there for South Carolina. Um Owasu Boating's only visit to South Carolina was for the Georgia game back in 2022. Gave him a glimpse of what the Gamecock program is all about. Last time I went there, I really felt the brotherhood aspect of the whole team and the whole coaching staff. It just felt like family. Honestly, I can't wait to go back and see everybody. We're hearing that more and more, that family-like atmosphere that Shane Beamer is creating uh, at South Carolina. His only January visits were to Miami and Florida. He's not firm yet on any spring visits. For, uh, for official visits besides the one to Columbia, he's looking at Florida, Miami, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and others. Uh, some of his other offers at this point include Alabama, Indiana, Syracuse, Washington, North Carolina, Georgia, Stanford, Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, UCF, Vanderbilt, Louisville, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Auburn, Oregon, Virginia Tech, LSU, Southern Cal, Ohio State, Florida State, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Penn State, Michigan, Boston College, Maryland, and Pitt. Did I miss anybody, Pat? Is there anybody that hasn't offered? Southeastern, Western, Central Connecticut State. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Only because they don't, only because they don't, uh, they think they don't have a shot. That's right. Also, offensive tackle Cortez Smith of Lilburn, Georgia, has set an official visit to South Carolina for May 31st. So, right there that same weekend, South Carolina target. 2026 quarterback Larry Curtis of Nashville was offered by UCLA. Camden defensive back Jordan Krim was offered by Liberty. And I've got two more quick ones. Sumter defensive end, already a Gamecock because he plays at Sumter. Sumter defensive end Anthony Addison has sent an official visit to South Carolina for June 21st, so a little later in the summer than the others we heard about. And South Carolina target defensive end Tayshawn Alston has sent an official visit to Virginia Tech for June 21st. He has one set for Columbia and the Gamecocks, May 31st. That's it. That's a recruiting report presented by Seawells. Short and sweet this evening. Let's see if we can get a hold of corn before we have to uh, take off for SC Wild. And let's go ahead and do it. Let's get an update from the Thriller Dome. McCamish Pavilion, where Georgia Tech and Clemson are locking horns. Corn, what have you seen? Yeah. <laughs> well, you could say to steal from a literary uh, work, it's been the best of times, the worst of times, and the best of times again for Clemson. I mean, they've played extremely well out of the gate. They scored 23 points in the first four and a half minutes, and they knocked down five three-pointers in those first Four and a half minutes, and they built a comfortable lead. They went nine for their first ten. And uh, Shefflin hit some shots. Gerard had a three. Hall had a three. Um, Hall had a couple of threes. Shefflin had a three. Hunter 
So they got off to a great start. Then they went stone cold. They missed their next six shots. Georgia Tech got back into the ball game before the Tigers finally scored again. They went about uh, 14. They went about five minutes, almost five minutes without making a basket, without scoring a point. Georgia Tech got back into it. Now things have kind of settled in. Both teams are making some shots. Georgia Tech's made four of their last five, and Clemson is leading 30-22. to Clock running with 6.25 to go in the first half, and leading the Tigers at this point in scoring after the hot start. It is Shefflin with 10, only one rebound for him, which is odd. He's two for two from three. The birthday boy, P.J. Hall, sitting on eight points. He's two for two from three. He's got a couple of rebounds. Of course, they hadn't missed a lot of shots early on, so there weren't a lot of rebounds to get. So they've got 18 of the Tigers' 30 points thus far. Georgia Tech's being led by George with seven points. So Clemson's down to 52% shooting as we go to the to another timeout. I don't know if this is media or or a coach called timeout. 5.52 to go in the half, 30-22. to 22. Clemson, Tigers down to 52% shooting after that 90% shot, uh, start from the floor. They do have six three-pointers, and they've outshot Georgia Tech in terms of the number of threes, 14-9. to nine. Very few free throws with everybody standing outside and shooting three-pointers. Tech has the only free throws. They're two for two. They have turned it over. Tech has five times to Clemson's three times, so Interesting start with the way Clemson came out red hot, moving the basketball. The Tigers had seven assists on their 12 baskets so far, so the ball was moving. They were locked in, and they made a bunch of shots, and they lead it now 30-22. to 22. Well, how about that? Gordon, we'll let you go, but before I do, I'll let you know, um, you, might, you might have had this on your bingo card, South Carolina run rules a team for the third straight game. They beat Queens 13-3 to in eight innings. They haven't played nine innings in a while. Well, I, that's got to be a record, three straight run rule games. I don't know if they put that note out or not, but I can't think of a time where they've done that. So, but Gamecocks, you know, they're getting a lot of runs and they're getting to play a lot of people and they're getting to loosen up a lot of people, but they're not playing any stifling competition so far. And uh, they played Belmont this weekend, so we'll see if that is a, a little bit more of a test. They should really want to be tested a little bit before they face Clemson the following weekend. Yep, I would agree with that. All right, Corn, we'll uh, we'll let you go, and we'll absolutely check you out later. Everybody, follow along at Corn on Twitter at Sports Talk SC. Then, of course, we'll have the Georgia Tech Clemson game. Brad Brownell Audio and more at sportstalksc.com afterward. And baseball fans, we're going to have the details for the Gamecocks' big victory over Queens today, their third run rule victory in a row. SC Wild, Major Billy Downer, talking boat safety, coming up next. Now on Sports Talk, it's SC Wild with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is here to take your questions about the great outdoors in South Carolina. Give him a call at 888-898-2525. It's SC Wild from DNR on the Sports Talk Radio Network. Hey, 
Hey, welcome back to Sports Talk. It's time for SC Wild with Major Billy Downer. Got a special guest tonight, and the weather is getting warmer, Major Downer. I certainly feel it here on the coast. So uh, it, it's time to start and start talking about boating and boating safety. Keep yourself safe and, and keep the other boaters safe out there as well. Absolutely, Smitty. It's that time of year as we approach uh, warm weather in South Carolina. We're not even out of February yet, of course. We always see some cold snaps in March, but I know I was down in Charleston this past weekend for the Southeastern Wildlife Exposition, and there were boats on the water everywhere. Uh, you know, just a good, clean day, some blue sky, and there are boats out in the water in Charleston, and that happens year-round, as we've talked about in the past. So, yes, we're going to talk tonight to Geddes Brandon. He is with the South Carolina Boating Fishing Alliance. So I want to welcome him to the show tonight. Thank you, Geddes, for being a part of the show tonight with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Major Downer and Smitty. I've heard you all segment before, and uh, I'm just glad to be on here to talk about boating and fishing. And it's uh, crazy to think that a lot of those boats that you saw down at Seaweed this past week are made right here in our state. So we're uh, glad to represent the boat manufacturers and fish and tackle manufacturers in our state, and uh, glad to be here tonight. Thank you for having me. So, Gettys, let's start off with that real quick for folks that may not be familiar with the South Carolina Boating and Fishing Alliance. What is that, and what do you do? Yeah, so uh, actually three years ago, um, last Friday, we publicly announced the formation of the South Carolina Boating and Fishing Alliance. Here in our state, we have 28 boat manufacturers. We have the three largest fish and tackle manufacturers in the world, and they have a combined over $7 billion, and that's with a B, uh, impact on our state's economy. They employ over 27,000 people with the related uh, jobs that are related to the industry. Um, and, you know, these are some of the most iconic brands in the world uh, when you look at our boats that are made here and our fishing tackle uh, that, that's headquartered here. Um, and so we represent those guys, and, and I would start listing off all the names, but then I'll start forgetting a few. Uh, but you can see the full list of who we represent on our website at scbfa.com. Um, and, you know, we also represent the dealers, uh, marinas, anything to do with the waterways, uh, any, anything to do with the blue economy. Uh, we represented our state house and, and uh, in different halls of government. Absolutely. So one thing I want to make a comment to the folks who are listening, you've heard me talk about Pittman-Robertson funds in the past and how uh, firearms manufacturing, ammunition, uh, archery all give toward what we do in the outdoors as far as hunting and fishing. The same applies to the boating and fishing industry in the form of the Dingle Johnson Act, which in effect basically provides money for public uh, recreation on the water uh, and provides a lot of money for our Department of Fisheries uh, and a lot of the activities right. we do to promote public fishing across South Carolina, including the striped bass fish hatchery, black bass hatch, uh, fishery, um, as well. So uh, a lot of good comes out of that that people just don't realize. You know, every time you buy a boat, every time you're buying uh, fishing tackle, you're giving back to the sport uh, because those manufacturers, particularly those in South Carolina, are providing a lot of money that helps us provide uh, the outdoor opportunity for others. And uh, with exactly 300... Wrong. So guess we're around what? I think we're, we're at last count... I want to say 365. We may be a little more than that now. 365,000 boats registered in the state. Um, and that doesn't even include 
the thousands of canoes, paddle boards, and uh, you know, um, kayaks that are now so popular on our inland and coastal waterways. Uh, so boating is absolutely, I know in the past I've said this and I'll say it tonight, Alvin Taylor, my former director and colonel, would always say that you can't hardly go anywhere in the state of South Carolina without seeing a boat in somebody's backyard. And that's just the truth. Um, so I know you were you you were afraid of, to list off all the names of people not to you know to scare <laughs> so people you don't want to lose some of your folks that support your network. Oh, but no, I know, no. but, more, but more big I names like more the, the listeners. <laughs> well, but I, I want to tell people you know for those that may oh, not yeah. realize it, Shakespeare's right here in South Carolina. Correct, Dennis? Is that right? That's right. And then Shakespeare, uh, uh, Major Downer, they. Uh, were here in the early days and then actually merged into buying two, three, four other companies. Now they're up to 36 brands, and it's under an umbrella called Pure Fishing. It's the That's global right. uh, head. I mean, they're they're the biggest uh, tackle manufacturer in the world, and they're over in northeast Columbia. Um, and then you have Lou's Strike King, and now Zebco's bought out by Rather Outdoors over in uh, Lexington, South Carolina. And then you have Shimano down in the Low Country. Uh, and right. you, you bring up iconic brands, you know, you, you do have to mention it. Just offhand, our boat makers, you have Scout, Sea Hunt, Sea Pro, Sportsman, Key West, Tidewater, uh, Bentley Pontoon, Sea Fox, Sea Pro, Sportsman, Phenom. Pa- I mean, Pioneer. <laughs> Pioneer, Bulls Bay, <laughs> Avenger. I figured Pioneer had their own segment on the DNR show. No, you know, no. DNR and Pioneer have a great partnership. <laughs> I was waiting. You kept forgetting. I was like, holy cow, he's not going to talk about Pioneer. No. So we do have a lot of great boat manufacturers and some really expensive boats. Uh, what's the big boat uh, company here that, uh, oh, my gosh. I, why am I forgetting? Freeman makes a huge boat Freeman. down there. And Absolutely. Then, yeah, yeah, Freeman. A heck of a fishing boat. And then you look at Scout. i got to give a special shout-out to them. They're about to unveil the largest center console fiberglass boat in the entire world. It'll be a 67-foot boat, and they will be wow. hopefully getting ready to let out the first one uh, by the first of the summer. So what's that going to have, five or six motors on it? or At least. Do we know? At least. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I would say six if I had to guess, but I could be wrong. Seeing quads on a boat is something, and now to see five and six on some of these Freeman boats I've seen is just it's unreal, but uh, yes. So it is neat to see that we have so many manufacturers, again, particularly in the boating state that we are with all the people in the water. I know we just uh, we just finished up the Charleston Boat Show a couple weeks ago. And this past weekend, Geddes, you were a part of, um, of a ribbon, or basically a rope cutting uh, for the Columbia Boat Show. Tell us about that for a minute. What was important about the Columbia yeah, Boat Columbia, Show? The Columbia Boat Show was great, and so was the Charleston Show. They're, they did a lot of selling at the Columbia Show uh, this past weekend, and it's under new ownership with the Midlands Boat Dealer Group here that started it back up. Um, and also it's uh, being produced by veteran boat show producers, uh, JBM and Associates. They do the Charleston show. They've done it for 20-some-odd years down there. This is their first year doing this show. So I think everybody's really happy with the turnout. Um, you know, Next year, hopefully I'm not getting out too far in front, but I do think it'll be on a different weekend than Seaweed and a different weekend from the Miami show, so it'll be uh, even better to have more boaters and anglers show up 
in Columbia and see all the boats that we, we make right here in South Carolina. Absolutely. So guess me back up a minute. We, we talk about the South Carolina Boating and Fishing Alliance. Um, I, and you've been involved. This is what, three years now, as you said. Tell me a little bit about what you've been involved in. I know last year uh, you and I were at the State House a lot. Talk about a little bit about what you do for the boating industry in this state. Absolutely. So we have uh, lobbyists on hand that work uh, directly with our lawmakers to um, write and craft laws alongside DNR as well. I mean, last year was a perfect example of, of good collaboration between the private sector and, and government. I mean, Major Downer and I were at the State House some weeks uh, till 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening and, and doing it all over again the next day to make sure we had the best boater safety law that we could pass in our state passed and Big kudos to uh, Major Downer and DNR for putting their their foot forward on that for you know for quite a while, and we were just glad to be a small part of that. But um, so we work on everything from boater safety. Uh, we work on um, industry workforce. We've started a boat building school down at Georgetown Tech. Uh, we will be doing a ribbon cutting for a uh, a larger school that we're building down there um, later on this summer. Uh, we're working on, and I know the viewers or the, the listeners will love to hear this, we're working on uh, more favorable tax bills on boats. Um, so anything we can do to make boats boating more affordable in our state. Uh, we work closely with our, our freshwater fisheries chief, Ross Self, over at DNR. He's on our board, and so we're always advocating for the best funding we can get with uh, hatcheries. Because at the end of the day, Major Downer, right now at Santee Cooper, we have the Major League Fishing Tournament. We'll have Bassmaster Elite Series come to Lake Murray later on this year. Fishing is big business in our state, and the more pressure these lakes get, the more we have to keep up with it. I mean, I, I come from the bass fishing side of things, and so I still have a soft spot for freshwater fishing compared to maybe as, as many saltwater manufacturers as we have. You know, a lot of times when I'm, I, I can get in the weeds on freshwater fishing, and so Ross and I have some great conversations, but as much pressure as we have, we have to sustain that. And um, so anything we can do as an industry to say, yes, not only is this important to our uh, conservation side of things, this is also important for the economic side of things and, and creating the environment where people want to keep coming back to our state to fish. And so those are a few things we work on. Uh, you know, there's always... Uh, a time where where defense comes into play as well, and and that's never with our uh, with Department of Natural Resources, but there are groups out there um, on the environmental side sometimes that that don't really want the user groups on the waterways as much or or in the woods as much. So you have to strike the balance of of conservation and what true conservation is, and so we try to be good examples for that. Absolutely, I, I want to. Uh... Also, make a point, guess, about last year as far as the, the boating safety bill, of course, we also had tremendous support of victims' families, uh, namely, you know, Morgan Kaiser was front and center. Uh, Randall Smith and his wife, of course, also have always been have championed boating safety uh, on Lake Murray. But across the state, we really had a lot of outpouring of support uh, for the Boating Safety Act and getting boating safety where, you know, we changed that to where it's you know going to be a born after date now, and I, I'm glad to see that. It's a slow move toward uh, you know complete compliance as far as everyone having to have boater education. But it was really it was really neat to see the families come out. 
uh, people across the state, as well as our legislators who pretty much all fell behind it and supported this all the way to the end. So again, thank you for your support uh, from SCBFA as well, because I think that really helped us uh, take it to the end. Absolutely. Morgan and the Smiths were, were incredible, along with the other families that joined us at Lake Murray for the bill signing and uh, you know, Governor McMaster and, and all the legislators that were involved were, were uh, great in getting that through. And, and you know, Major Downer, as you know, uh, we're looking in, in you know, this year is probably not going to be the best uh, example of work of, of what an alliance or an association can do because we're going into an election year and we're going into the last year of a two or four year session. And so when we can really cut through all of you know, maybe what the hot topic issues are in in Democrats versus Republicans. The beautiful thing about this, the beautiful thing about voting efficient is it's nonpartisan, and we, we try to do things that make sense. And it was great to see that the voter safety bill was able to cut through all that and get moved and get placed into law this past summer. So, um, you know, that that is conservation truly is a team sport. And, uh, you know, voting safety and, and outdoors – laws and bill making is truly a team sport and so I, I think it's important for listeners to understand that you know we're we're out there working together each and every day i got guess let me ask you i'm gonna put you on the spot for a minute what do you think the biggest issue facing boating in south carolina is from your standpoint right now i think access is uh, an important issue that that needs to be continuously addressed as, as we see uh, people get more involved in boating, get more involved in fishing. We have to make sure that our infrastructure can can support it. Um, you know, I know that it's not as big of a deal up here in the upstate and in the Midlands as it is um, down in Charleston where there's long lines on the weekends to get on the water. But anything we can do to work with, um, you know, our Department of Transportation or our DNR um, to create more and municipal governments too, for that matter, to to create uh, larger ramps and and to make the upkeep uh, easier on our our state agencies um, is super important. But but not only access from the the physical uh, being able to get on the waterways, but access also, as I hit on a little while ago, is uh, you know it, it's always under uh, under threat and. Um, that is the one thing that our industry needs to continuously keep our eye on. Um, you know, we have uh, different uh, regulations on the federal side of things that are coming down the pipe right now uh, that I would say is, is the number one issue right now is there is a speed limit uh, that NOAA is trying to place on boats over 35 miles, of, uh, excuse me, over 35 feet at 10 miles an hour or 10 knots or 11 half mile an hour out to 100 miles off of our east coast um, and that is for the endangered right well which we care deeply about the right well and care deeply about any marine mammals but when you look at the numbers only two wells have been struck off the coast of south carolina in 52 years so we just want to bring a balance and sound science and and sound reasoning to coming up with solutions um, to true conservation and how do we balance the economy and ecology uh, better and better with technology each year as we move forward. Um, but I, I would say access, you know, that that is uh, that kind of even loops in what I just brought up about the the well regulation. It's uh, it's certainly a threat to our industry. 
Absolutely. I know you and I talked at the boat show, uh, the little gathering there before the show opened up. You mentioned about aquatic weeds, too, and trying to work together on that. I think that's an interesting topic because, you know, we, we look back at the 80s, we think about uh, uh, hydrilla, hydrilla, hydrilla. Well, you know, hydrilla is, is it's not non-existent. It's still there in some places, but it's not near the problem it was. But we have other uh, other plants out there, crested holding, uh, floating heart, that are just highly invasive uh, and choke off waterway areas and are hard to control even from a chemical side i know that uh santa cooper has is, is challenged with that uh and and who knows what the next aquatic weed will be that we deal with that we don't even know about today uh it just seems like they just keep coming up and as boating uh, boaters i know you are concerned about supporting uh, uh messaging to you clean Absolutely. your uh, clean your trailers off and i think that that goes sometimes people don't think about it but go ahead tell me what you were let's kind of yeah yeah no recap that whenever you pull your that's right whenever you pull your your boat out of the water make sure you rinse it off i'll tell you a quick story about this major downer we were uh working uh closely with bassmaster uh, quite a few years ago and i actually worked there before i started the boating and fish alliance with our our, our builders here um they would actually have stops in some states where the boats would be inspected for invasive species. I mean, you see what it's done um, in California up north, and then you see it at the Tennessee River, um, and this is not aquatic, but you look at the, the Asian carp uh, there. I mean, invasive species um, are quite simply not natural to the habitat that you're bringing them to, and that goes for a, aquatic vegetation as well. And so. There's an overrun of different grass um, and and different vegetation in a few of our lakes, and you know we we do what we can with grass carp with chemicals, um, and at the end of the day, usually the the grass that keeps growing is not the good grass that the fishermen on here are, are listening, thinking, oh man, I wish they wouldn't talk about killing grass. No, this is the type of grass that gets in your crankbait and you can't get it off that that the fish aren't even around because it's just. It's nasty. It's choking out the water and 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 depleting the oxygen in the water. So, um, absolutely, you know, I, I want to be I want to be clear to 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 uh, to save you on that comment for sure. We're not talking about a dry like a desert under the water. We don't want that. But we're talking about the invasive species and trying to take care when you get out of the lake to clean that off your of your trailer before you dip in somewhere else and spread it. That's what we're talking about. That's right. <laughs> That's right. No, I, you know, Lake Murray still before, has some before you get attacked about something I'm like this guy's trying to get rid of the grass. No, that's not what we're trying to do. No, I mean, heck, there's some there's some types of grass that would probably be good for our lakes, um, and oh. and there are there are certainly. But the thing is, is it's usually natural grass uh, that we're talking about or native grass, um, because you know the, the invasive type it'll it it, it it's uncontrollable. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's there's plenty of things like that too that we need to to be keen on and and need to keep our eyes open to. And anytime you see stuff like that or you see something that might be invasive, um, I, I know there's information on DNR's website to be able to reach out and and be able to submit that information. But uh, definitely clean your boats off. Yeah, no doubt. I, and something else, guess we we've talked about. Uh, I think you and I talked about the other night as well. And this is something I think that often gets forgotten when we talk about boating because everyone hears me talk about life jackets, PFDs, make sure you have enough, make sure they fit the intended user, make sure they're where you can get to them, make sure they're in good working order. 
we hit that message and we're going to continue to hit that message. We talk about registration, making sure your registration is up to date, understanding it's year by year now. Um, you know, having your registration card on board, fire extinguishers, whistles, all those things, whistle a horn, you know, running lights. Uh, but the thing that I think that we need to really hit on more is nighttime boating. People really need to pay attention because our lakes have changed in the last 20 years. I, I think it's just Absolutely. tremendous. The amount of ambient light, as I call it, that's out there from just people building houses all around the lake, which is, hey, that's great. That's what brings people to the lake. Um, but you've got dock lights, you've got house lights. And all this ambient light out there and the little white round light that's important gets lost in that. So when you're boating, uh, I think I'm really going to start focusing on reminding folks when you're boating at night, you know, back off throttle a little bit, really look out and keep a proper lookout. We talk about that all the time, how important it is to maintain a proper lookout at night. It's no more important time. Having that red and green bow light is critical so people can know what direction you're going. But that white all-around light, even if you got it on, can get lost in all that light out there. And people just really need to pay attention and focus at night because that's the time uh, that's just sometimes it's harder to pick it up, all the boats, amongst all that light that's out there. Absolutely. And, and Major Downer, one thing that, that we talked about as well is anytime you're talking in, in low-light situations, whether it's at dark or in the fog, remember the GPS is not a radar. Um, and it's, it's not, it is not a replacement for your eyesight. And so and there, there are many people, especially in bass boats, that keep their eyes down on their GPS when they're running at night. And that's great. Know where you are based on your depths, but also realize there could be floating logs. There could be other hazards. So the best thing to do, as you said, is have a proper lookout, back off the, the throttle a good bit and, uh, and be looking for those shoal markers, especially on Lake Murray and Lake Cartwell and some of the other Highland type reservoirs up in the upstate. Um, but knowing that the GPS is not a radar is important too. That's a, that's an excellent point because you are right. We've gotten so sucked in on watching the GPS to see where we are. Even when we drive a car, I can't, I, I, I have to admit my phone's plugged in. I got my car play on half the time. I got the GPS on just because, because you'll tell you when there's a trouble ahead or there's, uh, you know, something in the, on the roadway or whatever, or a wreck or something. And we get so ingrained on that, when we get on the water, we do the same thing. And you're right. We keep our eyes off the water and off the road in front of us, basically, on the water. And that's, that's a problem. we got to pay attention, no doubt about it. Well, Geddes, I appreciate you being on the show tonight. I know, Smitty, we got to be getting close part of our time. But uh, really yes, glad to have you on I the show. Wanna... Absolutely. I did not want to jump in and be an invasive species. Yeah, that was good stuff. Let you guys, yeah, I was tremendous. Geddes, thank you so much, and we'll certainly. I know. Thank you for having me. We look forward. Look forward to coming back on for sure. And and Major Downer, thanks for all you do. Thanks for everything that SCDNR does. And uh, Speedy, thanks for for hosting this segment and and allowing us to do this tonight. All right, well, Smitty, that'll wrap up another edition of SC Wild for me. And uh, thank again, thanks again to Geddes for being a part of the show. Absolutely. And, and listen, everybody, be sure to visit uh, scdnr.gov. As a matter of fact, Major Downer, finish it with this. Tell us one more time. Uh, you, you give it to us. Give us the, the life jacket. Give us the, the three points that you like to uh, always go over with boating safety. 
All right, so my last thing, remember, maintain a proper lookout. Make sure you're paying attention when you're on the water. For more information on boater education, visit dnr.sc.gov. There it is, dnr.sc.gov. All right, everybody visit sportstalksc.com. We'll get you back up to date with what happened with Gamecock Baseball. They won in Clemson, Georgia Tech. They're going to be in the second half any moment now. Thanks, everybody. Join us tomorrow night, 6.05 for more.